0: Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Well, I wanna say a word to Miss Gloria Lee. Hopefully she would be listening by way of internet or some other means, but Miss Gloria, we are constantly just thinking about you and your family as we celebrated the passing of Stuart yesterday in a a funeral service here and I just uh, want her to know that we love her and thank you all of you for helping with food and so many different things that happened yesterday. You're a tremendously awesome body and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for loving that family also, at the same time, uh, man, I need you to know, we like to celebrate marriage here. It's kind of a big deal to us. And, uh, man, Jerry and Cheryl Meek will be married 41 years tomorrow. Isn't that exciting? Amen. <laughs> Go Meeks. Awesome. And uh, then, you know, Ben and Jenny, I don't, I think I see you there. Uh, man, I mean, my heart, man, it's just, it's just so sad. Uh, but I know you have to do what you have to do, brother, but I want you to know, man, that We're praying that uh, somehow God would lead you back. (laughs) We're just begging God for an intervention, Uh, but we want to send you out in God's good graces and know that you've been faithful, and we're so proud of you, and we love you guys deeply, and we will miss you until you come back. We're just believing God and agreeing with that. (laughs) Let me ask you a question today, church. Uh, You don't necessarily have to answer it right now. It's more rhetorical. But really, why does First Baptist Church exist? Why are we here? What did God leave us here for? Why did he even create the church? Yeah, back in the 1800s, no business really matched the financial and political dominance of the railroad. Trains dominated the transportation industry, especially in the United States, moving both people and goods throughout our country. But then something kind of showed up, a new discovery came along, and it was called the car. (laughs) And incredibly, it's it's really hard to believe, but the leaders within the railroad industry did not take advantage of their unique position to, to participate in that transportation development. In his book, The Search for Excellence, Tom Peters points out the reason they missed this. He said, the railroad barons didn't understand what business they were in. He says they thought they were in the train business, but in fact, they were rather in the transportation business. So time passed them by, as did opportunity, because they couldn't see what their real purpose was. But can I tell you that we must remember that our clear purpose and what it really is, we're going to become an irrelevant thing of the past. And we're going to miss some wonderful opportunities to really advance the kingdom of God. You see, I'm here today to tell you that we are not in the program or religion business. We are in the relationship business. We are in the relationship business about relationships with Jesus and relationships with other people. That is why we're here and that is why we exist. You see, the first century church was neither a building nor an institution. 2,000 years ago, 200 people flooded the streets and these people were a part of a movement That movement had a mission. That mission was motivated by a message, and that message was about one man Jesus. But what started that movement was none other than the resurrection and the message about the risen Jesus. So I thought it would be appropriate to kick off a new series today. We're going to go about 10 weeks on this. And this series is entitled This Is My FBC. And I really want to tell you kind of where we're headed over the next 10 weeks is that we've been praying and doing a lot of study and a lot of just questions and and men teaching and asking ourselves hard questions as a staff over the past year and a half to figure out exactly what God would have for us to do moving ahead. And we're going to be looking at this new mission that we have, our new vision and our values. And I couldn't be more excited. You see, as the first century church shared that message, they went through some very hard days. And as the church began to to grow, the Jesus followers developed. They kind of disrupted the power between Rome and the Jews. And so the Romans and the Jews began to heavily persecute the church. But instead of backing off or backing down and not talking about the resurrection and not talking about Jesus, they became even bolder. And I'm telling you today, church, there's stuff coming down the pike from our government that's going to bring persecution to our church. And you and I need to understand we can't back up. We can't let down, so what an appropriate time it is for a new mission and a new vision to move us forward. They were a movement. They were not just a, a kind of a thing that had. This was a movement that was motivated by a message about one man, and it turned the world upside down. But here's something that I'm often asking myself, and I wonder if you might ask yourself this too. Why is what happened in the first century still not happening today? Why aren't we still turning the world upside down? That's a great question. Why don't we see what was happening in the first century? Why don't we see some of those same awesome movements of the spirit, the same miraculous outpouring where people coming to know Jesus? Why don't we still see that today? There are many answers to that question, but one that I think that we can boil it down to is this, is simply the ideas of influence and relevance. You see, we used to have influence in the culture because we actually lived out the message of the gospel. We used to have relevance in culture because we actually lived out the message of the gospel. Now, there are numerous reasons that we no longer can say that we have tremendous influence or relevance. And I believe that one of the greatest reasons we no longer as churches have relevance and or influence the way we used to is simply because of this. I believe with all of my heart the greatest contribution to this is because we have reversed the order of Matthew 22 and 28. In other words, we've been trying to engage in the Great Commission without, first of all, embracing the Great Commandment. Let me tell you that. So here's what I mean by that. We've so focused on the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, if you could bring that up. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says these words. If you're a good Baptist, you know these from the bottom of your heart. But Jesus Christ himself said these words in Matthew 28 and 19 and 20. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, what we do as churches, we say, listen, it's all about getting out there and telling people about Jesus, and I'm trying to tell you that's important. But what we have to understand is, is that great commission does nothing and falls flat if it isn't motivated by and fueled by the great commandment. The great commandment is found back in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, Jesus was approached and they said to him, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And in verse 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On well, these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. You see, what I'm trying to tell you today is, is we've lost our influence and relevance with the great commission of reaching people and making disciples because we have yet to really embrace the idea that it's really all about love. We can't engage in the great commission without in first embracing the great commandment. You see, all of this becomes really relevant to us and apparent to us when we go back and look in Matthew 28. Bring that back up again for me, Tim. Matthew 28. And I want you to see this. I want you to look at all the alls that are there. In Matthew chapter 28, the Bible tells us a couple of things. Jesus says here, he says the first word that kind of comes out of his mouth. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. By baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to deserve all that I have commanded you. See, Jesus starts and he says, uh, hey guys, I want you to know that this idea that I'm sending you out to do is based on my authority. I'm the one that kind of has come up with this. I'm the one that controls all this. But then he says, I want you to go to all the nations. But then the idea here is it's one of the most often, I think, misunderstood words in all the Bible. It's just a little idea of, then you have to teach them all things I've commanded. That word all. You see, this is huge if you think about it for a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors. Jesus said, I want you to go out and teach everybody all things I've commanded. Well, can you imagine what's going through their brain? I mean, okay, well, that's a lot of stuff. Where do we start, Jesus? I mean, you had that Sermon on the Mount thing. Uh, you have spoken a lot of parables. So maybe that's where we start, uh, That Lord's Prayer thing you did, that's really good. Maybe we start teaching them that. Well, Jesus has really already given them the place to start. The first place to start in teaching them all things he has commanded is to start back with the greatest commandment. The first all to teach anybody about anything about God is to teach them to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like this, to love your neighbor as yourself. This is where we start. This is where we start with discipleship. This is where we should start with anything is we should start with loving God and loving people. You see, listen to me. When we start with loving God and loving people, then we just naturally, as the overflow, we live on mission. So loving God is the fuel by which we go living on mission. So I get it, okay? You're saying, well, we start with loving God, but then that that whole nations thing So then where do we even start there? I mean, how do we start getting it to the nations? Well, back again, Matthew 22 tells us. Here again is what I'm going to tell you. When we get Matthew 28 before Matthew 22, when we get going on mission and making disciples before we get loving God and loving people, we would actually also invert and upside down the idea where Jesus told us where to start when we go to reach the nations. Because watch this. Jesus said, "And to love your neighbor as yourself." That's the first place we start. Well, what is the word neighbor mean? Well, neighbor really means nearest one. So then in your context, who is your nearest one? Where do we start with reaching people with the gospel? Even if we were going to start there, where would we start? We start first by loving God, and then we love people when we love our neighbor as ourselves. So who is Our neighbor. We'll be the first neighbor in most of our lives if we are married, happens to be our spouse. So, Rachel, would you kind of come up here just for a moment? I want to kind of show you the concentric circles of where we're actually to start if we're going to do this thing. In other words, I have no business going to really tell people about all these things about Jesus if I first aren't loving my wife. It starts, she's my nearest one. If I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, She's the nearest one to me. After that, who would be my nearest ones? Well, they would probably be my kids or some people in my family. So Kesson, why don't you come on up here? Kirsten and my man, come on, come on. You know, Grayson, you wanna come too? Y'all can be my kiddos. Hey, I want you guys to come over here a little bit. Can I get the boys over here? Michelle, we're gonna kind of get in your way, so we'll slide down. So the Bible tells me to love my neighbor as myself. As I'm loving God, the overflow will be directly. My nearest ones will be my wife, And then my kiddos, if you do not have a wife or you don't have a husband, it starts with your family and then it moves to your closest friends, right? This is where we start. And then the Bible tells us this. Okay. Well then now the next direct immediate impact of my nearest neighbors would have to be probably some of my church friends. So Kenneth and Emily, would you guys come on up here and represent our church? Okay. And then after we start loving the church, man, let me just get a few more. Kyle, would you come on up here? Justin, would you come up here? I want you guys to be the people in our community. So, so these now are my community, right? So I've got my, my family, I've got my, my church. If you're not married, you've got some friends and then you've got your, your church, your family and your friends and your church. And then we're looking out here to the community. And then guess what we begin to do after that? Well, we begin to look at our country, so we have to say, well, then who's really inside of our country? So, Sarah, won't you come on up here? You can be, Matt, Nathan, won't you come on up here? You can be some people in the country. Nathan, if you don't mind going all the way down here to make the circles look good. And then the Bible says, hey, you know what? After I've got my family down and I'm loving these nearest ones, I'm loving my kiddos, I'm loving my church, I'm loving my community, I'm loving my country, then guess what we did? Now we love the continent. Now we can reach out to the continents. And so I'm just going to pick some random people. Mike and Kim, why not y'all come on up here? Y'all can be my continent people. You look kind of foreign to me, so come on. <laughs> Kim, uh, Mike, would you mind walking this way? We'll make you walk instead of her. Thank you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> now let me ask you this question. You don't have to respond, but when you were taught how to do missions, is this how you were taught? See, the Bible says that if we get this wrong, we get everything wrong. And I'm trying to tell you as a church, what we've got to do is we've got to get back to the great commandment that tells us to love God and as a result, we love this way instead of always just focusing on the, the countries. Instead of always just going out to the continents, we have got to get this stuff here right. We've got to love our inside circle first, and then we've got to start loving our church people, and then we've got to start loving our community, and then we've got to start loving our country, and then we get to the continents. I'm not telling you we can't do it all simultaneously. I'm just telling you, first and primary, the mission of this church has got to be this. We've got to see that Jesus meant it to be this. We start, our mission is to love God and to love people. And as we get this right, now we will go teach them to do the same. What are we going to teach the first disciples? Are we going to teach them how to share their faith, how to give a testimony? That's where most of us were taught. And that's the reason we do it for the wrong reasons. And that's the reason it's irrelevant and we've lost our influence. It's because we aren't teaching people first and foremost how to love God and to love their family first. Because listen to me, if it isn't imported here at home, it doesn't export very well. And that's what we've got to change in church. Thank you guys and all you volunteers. Y'all give them a big hand. I'm so so glad that these guys are here today. See, if we're going to live on our mission as a church, we've got to get our mission right. And it has to start in the right order. We must start with loving God and then loving those in our home and moving outwards. You see, this is the same idea that's found in Acts 1-8. You might not have seen it this way, but understanding the bigger meta metanarrative scripture in Acts 1-8, the Bible says, hey, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, it says some interesting things. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, that's at home, and then in Judea. Now we're broadening it out and then to Samaria, and then to the remotest parts of there. Jesus always wanted it to start at home first. Jesus always wanted it to start right here where you live with your neighbors first. That's where he always, and he says, as that happens, as I get this right, the natural overflow of loving God results in just loving more people. But I can't be worried about reaching these people unless I really love these people. And the only way that I can love lost people is I first am overwhelmed by the love of God for me. And as the natural overflow, it now helps me want to go reach them. So we start with those in covenant with us, our marriage, our family, our church. Then we move to the community, then the country, and then the continents. Too many times, listen to me, here's what happens. And I don't have time to unpack this today, but over the next couple of weeks, we'll unpack it. As we've made this too much about witnessing and not enough about worship. When we get worship right, witnessing happens as a byproduct. When we get loving God right, and I am loved by this God, man, it fuels my heart to want to go love some people well. And it is hard to reach a community that we just don't love. So we got to get back to love. It is the overarching. Matter of fact, I just want to tell you, the spirit was already speaking this in my small group, my growth group this morning. My teacher taught us that it's got to get back to love. Amen. Can I get a witness back there from somebody? Amen. It said, this is where the spirits at work, brother. They'll love it. So here's the kind of statement that's going to guide our 10 weeks. Here's something we're going to kind of let you know here's where we're going. And here's the statement I want you to see. We must keep first things first at first. We got to keep first things first. And that means we have first of all got to be about loving God and loving people. So here's the idea. We don't have permission to change the mission of the church. This is based on God's authority. The mission for every church is always the same. So what caused that movement motivated by a message about a man? It was great commandment love fueled great commission living. They loved God and were loved by God. And as the overflow, they loved other people. They shared their lives and the gospel with other people. So here's the new mission statement that we're proposing that we kind of operate by as a church. Here it is. FBC exists to embrace great commandment love, which fuels great commission living. That's why we're here. We're here to embrace the love of God and to be loved by God And as a result of that, we love people. And that's the fuel by which now we will go and make disciples. It has to be motivated primarily and caused and fueled by love. So then let's talk about a few practicals that you can take home today from this, from these passages that we've kind of laid out there for you. Here's one thing. Have an upward love for Christ. How do you kind of do this? (laughs) And how do you do this? Well, you have an upward love for Christ. A.W. Tozer, a great theologian of old, said this. The most important thing you think about, what comes to your mind, is really the most important you think about. And if that isn't God, we kind of have a problem. In other words, the most important thing you think about is what comes to your mind when you think about God. Because what I think about God determines everything else in my life. So I want you to think back with me theologically just for a minute. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God back in Genesis chapter 3, right? And sin entered into the world. But when sin entered into the world, when they ate of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat of, I want to ask you this question, who went after whom? Who went after whom? Well, God went looking for Adam and Eve. You know why? Because Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus is the same. God is the same. God always takes the initiative to seek us. And God didn't ask Adam and Eve the question. He says, where are you? God's not asking a question because he didn't know. You see, what, what was really going on in the heart of God when he asked that question? Was God asking, hey, where are you? Because he wanted to shame them, because he wanted to ridicule them, because he wanted to lecture them? no. Was God asking so that he could give Adam the silent treatment and never speak to him again? No. You see, God asked the question, where are you, so that he could restore intimacy and relationship with Adam and Eve. There were obvious consequences to their disobedience, but the heart of God is filled with compassion and love, and he goes to those because he loves them, even though they're in sin. God comes to us when we can't get to him. That's what love does. It puts the needs of others ahead of our own. That's the gospel. If he loves me that much when I'm that far from him, how much more does he love me now that I'm his? Because Romans 8.32 says something incredible. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? I mean, there's just so much more love that we have now that we know Christ. But you see, if I'm gonna focus on an upward love for Jesus, listen to me, here's how this happens. I just don't muster that up. I just can't muster up a love for Jesus. It's in response to something. And here's what you need to know. When you woke up today, here's something God was telling you. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. Now watch watch what happened. The Bible says that the Lord longs to be gracious to you. What that means is, is while you were sleeping last night, God couldn't wait for you to wake up because he wanted you to know when you woke up, he was going to pursue you with his love today. He longs to show his love to you. He longs. He just just gets so excited about having compassion on you. And when he loves you that way, then how blessed are you that now you long for him. You see, uh, I want you to know this morning that Jesus is super excited to love you today. You know, my daughter Joy and James, they sometimes bring our grandson Zion home. And oftentimes they put him down for a nap and he's around a year old. And so it's, it's really, he's just in that cute phase. And it's hard when they put him down for a nap because he's come to see his grandparents. And all we want to do is just be with him. And as he's sleeping though, it seems like it's forever. But, but as he's sleeping, I, I just can't wait for him to wake up. I just want to go in there and snuggle that little dude up and feel his warm little body and love him and kiss him and play with him and hold him. And can I just tell you that that's the way God is with us in the mornings? He can't wait for you to wake up. He's excited to love you. He's not like, well, uh, she's awake. Wonder what she's going to get into. That that's not your God. Your God's not like that. He's pursuing you. He can't wait to hold you. He can't wait to just pursue you and to tell you that He loves you. Listen to me. The Bible says in 1 John 4 19, it says this that we love because He first loved us. And see, so listen to me. I can't muster up this upward love for God until I really understand who He is. He is a God who loves us unconditionally. And when I understand who he is, I understand that I am the beloved. And when I see how much he loves me, it does something in my heart that causes me to love him back. That's where we start. We just don't make these obligations. Well, I'm just going to love God more. No, you start with the fact that he loves you and focus on that and meditate on that and read about that and study that. And as you learn who he is and how much he loves you, it does something in you to cause you to love him. And so unless I see Jesus for who he really is though, I can't love anyone other than the real God. I won't love anybody other than the real God. Here's what you need to understand. We're going to unpack this in the 10 weeks coming, but I have to see Jesus as he really is. Jesus is not a finger pointing Jesus. Jesus is not a a, a distant Jesus. Jesus is not a a disappointed Jesus. Jesus is a, is a welcoming Jesus. He's a, is a praying for us, Jesus. He's a pursuing us, Jesus. That's who he, that's who he is. How has Jesus loved us? Did Jesus love us at our, at our worst or at our best? He's loved us at our worst. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. Christ loves us at our worst, at our worst. He absolutely loves you at your worst. And then when he comes in and makes you his own, can you imagine how much more you can experience that love? So I got to have this upward love for God, but it starts by thinking about his upward love for me. Secondly, I have an inward love for one another. Remember our circles and the people who were up here earlier. Remember, we talked about our spouse or our family and our kids and our friends and our church. Listen to me, that love that I can have for them is simply based on understanding how much God loves me and as the overflow, now I'm able to love them. The ability to love my neighbors is based on being loved and loved by God. So here's the question that I wanna challenge you to start asking if we're gonna live out this mission here at this church. Here's the question, who in my life today needs more of the love of Jesus demonstrated through me? Who in my life needs more of the love of Jesus demonstrated through me today? Because that's it, demonstrated through you. It is not going to be you doing it. It's got to be your love for him flowing through you. Listen to me. God loves people, but most of the time he does that through other people. You need to understand that. God loves people, but the way you're going to sense it, the way you're going to feel it, is most times directly tied to other people and you will be the hands and feet. So I gotta have this inward love for one another. God wants you to know before you can reach those who are farthest from God, we have to start with those who are closest to our home. If you're not careful, and if we're not careful as a church, we will always try to reach those out here rather than love the ones that are right here. And I'm telling you, there has to be balance. I'm not saying we don't do one, we don't know the other, I'm not saying we can't do it simultaneously, I'm just saying, well, there has to be balance. So a lot of times we say, hey, I'm going to go on that trip. Hey, I'm going to go on that mission trip. Hey, I'm going to go over there and reach those people. That's great, but it cannot come at the expense of loving God and loving your neighbors right here. It just can't do it. It can't come at that expense. Practically speaking, you need to understand that if you are married and you're in a family, you are your family's or your spouse's primary remover of aloneness that's our person primary ministry. So you may be wondering, why do we constantly put such a focus on marriage here lately? Why are we encouraging these date nights? Why am I inviting people to do ministry? Why am I trying to do classes and just get a focus upon marriage and children and students? Why? Because that's exactly what God said to do, to love our neighbor as ourselves. I'm starting there because that's the order by which God has put it there. So that's why we're making this. Now now does this begin to make sense to you? Now you can begin to see. So, because we've got to keep first things first at first. We exist to embrace great commandment love, which fuels great commission living. As I'm loved by God and love God, I will then be loving my spouse out of the overflow of the love that I have for God. So listen to me, that's exactly why we ask a Kayla question on Sunday morning. Because people matter to God and they should matter to us. In the time that you're in this room, they are your neighbor. So then why would we ask a question? Because I'm trying to help you practically understand a way that you can love your neighbor. You may hear something in the answer to a question that can help you love them. You can celebrate with them or you can show concern for them or you can help them. Because this is what we do. We want people to be known and less alone here. And I'll give you a personal example from my own life. Here's a testimony from someone, and I use it to show you what kind of church I want us to be and how the love of Christ in my life overflows into the life of others. A lady said this. She said this. Here's her testimony. She said, I was walking in the church this morning, barely holding it together after a 72-hour work week full of heartaches and struggles, and I even got sick. Steve was one of the first people to greet me. He came up to me and said... Your eyes say you carry a heavy burden. Are you in this all alone? I think you might be alone. Do you have anybody to share this burden with you? Can I walk with you? Steve then gave me his cell phone number and asked me and my husband if we would be interested in going to dinner with he and his wife. I was standing there now crying like a fool and feeling to begin whole again. I pride myself in working hard and staying strong no matter what. But that empathy was just what I needed after this week. I'm so thankful for a church that comes alongside us and walks with us. You see, I'm not trying to put this idea on me and draw attention to myself. I'm just trying to illustrate what happens when we are loved by God. And as the overflow, now we can just love people. You see, when I embrace the love of God, it helps me now. It fuels me. It fuels me to get involved with Great Commission Living. You'll notice that when you come to Starting Point, those of you who are new here, we hand out some things. We hand out a couple of forms. One of them is a getting to know you sheet. We ask you what your favorite candy is, what your drinks are, what your shows are, all kinds of stuff about you. Why? Because we want you to know we want to love you. We do relational needs assessments. We try to get our our growth group leaders to fill these forms out, to get their people to fill these forms out. Why? Because we want you to understand how you can love your neighbor. And I'll just go out here. I'm just going to say it because I can. I guess I'm preaching today. But Nathan, here's something that's really cool, dude. You set up here something that you said your birthday's coming up and you said you really love gifts. Guess what that did to me? That said to me, one of the ways that I can love you is to make sure that I get you a gift for your birthday, because that's how I can love you with God's love. It's not just telling you, it's not just saying, I need to get you a gift and so you can count on it. It's coming, but it's going to be for Sarah, but that's okay. (laughs) Here's the idea, guys. Why do we do some of the things that I'm trying to do here? It's because, listen, man, we've got to love God. We've got to love the people that are right around us. I'm just practically trying to give you some tools to help move the mission along. So I have an upward love for Jesus. Then I have an inward love for one another. And lastly, very quickly, I have an outward love for those who are far from God. I have an outward love for those who are far from God. You see, as I'm loved by God and I love him, that love flows inward to my nearest ones and then it flows outward to those who are far from God. As a church, we exist to embrace great commandment love, which fuels, which supplies what we need for great commission living. Even our reaching those in the outer circles, those who are far from God depends upon the great commandment. We can't do that without the great commandment. We can't do it without love. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says this, For the love of Christ controls us. And having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Another version that says this, the love of God compels me. I can't love those who are far from God unless I love the God whom they're far from. I can't witness to people effectively that I don't really love. I've got it. it's got to start with this love that's inside. It's motivated by this love. If we want to see more of what turned the first century church upside down, we've got to get back to love. We've got to get back to love. We've got to get back to love. So Jeremy, I wonder if you and those who are singing today would come. I remember reading a story about Yogi Bear. Anybody remember who that guy was? Yogi Bear? Anybody got any baseball fans in the house? Amen. I got a few. Amen. Well, he was a well known catcher for the New York Yankees, and Hank Aaron, who at that time was the chief power hitter for the Milwaukee Braves, they were kind of in the, the series here. They were playing in the World Series. And as usual, Yogi was keeping up his ceaseless chatter, and he intended to pep up his teammates on one hand, but he also wanted to distract Hank Aaron. So Hank Aaron comes up to the plate to to bat and Yogi tries to distract him and he says, hey, he says, hey, you're holding that bat wrong. You're supposed to hold it so that you can read the trademark on the bat. Well, Aaron didn't say anything and the next pitch came and he hit it and it went straight over the left field bleachers. After rounding all the bases and tagging home plate, Hank Aaron looked down at Yogi Bear and he says, hey, listen, dude, I didn't come here to read. I'm trying to tell you today, folks, there's a lot of distractions in church. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions about what we're supposed to do. There's a lot of voices speaking into the reasons why we exist, but I'm gonna tell you, listen, we have to remember that if we're gonna knock this thing out of the park as a church, we gotta keep first things first at first. And that means we've gotta embrace great commandment love that then fuels great commission living. Why do we exist? We exist to do that, to embrace great commandment love, which fuels great commission living by having an upward love for Jesus, having an inward love for one another, and then having an outward love for those who are far from God. So let me tell you something practically. So this week, I wonder if you could just read your Bible and look for the ways that Jesus loves you. See, a lot of times when we go to the Bible, we're just looking for sin. We're just looking for things that that we need to do. We're just looking for answers. I want you to start by looking for love. Because see, if you're just looking for sin and answers, that's how you're going to treat people. You're just going to talk to them about their sin and you're going to be Mr. Advice person. But if you look to the Bible to see how God loves you, then you're going to see that he loves you. And as the overflow, when you talk about what you've read, you're going to do it in the spirit of love. Spend some time just praising him for the ways that he is currently loving you. Ask yourself this week, I mean, write this down and seriously try to apply it. Jesus, who needs more of your love demonstrated through me today? And then I just wonder, man, if you're just you're focused in and you're saying, man, this is how Jesus is loving me. And I see this in this verse. He, he just doesn't love people like Lazarus. He doesn't just love people like Mary. He just doesn't love people like Nicodemus. I mean, he loves me. He's raised me from the dead. He, he's fed me. He's forgiven me of my sins. This Jesus loves me. And then, man, as I go out into the community, it's going to be really hard for me to be judgmental. It's going to be really hard for me to come across as just critical and condemning. Because, man, if this love for, for Jesus is penetrating and palpitating in this heart, it comes out very differently when I speak to people of the Jesus I love. We need to let people know that Jesus really does love them. Listen to me. He didn't come to condemn them. They're condemned already. He came to save them. It's a very different message. I'm not saying we don't talk about sin. Never would say that. Matter of fact, we can be a whole lot harder on sin because we do love people. So I just wonder today, man, if you could just focus in on that. But see, you may be here today. And you may really still need to know that this God really does love you. You see, the Bible says in John three sixteen, the Bible says this, that God so loved the world. That means you. That he gave his one and only son so that you might have life. And I wonder today, man, if you came into the house and your heart's been heavy and this, you've kind of been hearing a lot, man, that you're, you're, you know that you're a sinner. See, let me just tell you something here today. A lot of times when we talk about sin, we talk about, well, have you been into drugs or man, are you doing this? Are you, are you a cuss or do you cheat or do you lie? Let me just tell you, God kind of judges sin on this. Do you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? That's the first command, right? So if you're here today and you're saying, well, I'm I'm pretty much a good person. Well, let me just ask you, do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Because if you don't, you need a savior. It's the standard. And I want you to know that God wants to love you into his kingdom. He wants you to know today that he knows that you're separated from him because of your sin, because the wages of sin is death. That if you were to die on this planet, you take your next breath and you don't have the love of Jesus, you don't have not been forgiven, you will spend an eternity in hell and spend an eternity separated from all that you know to be good. That's the wages of sin. That's what we've all done. But God said that He so loved us that He doesn't he doesn't want that. That's why He put me here, that's why He put you. We get to share the good news that God loves you even in your sin. And he says, if you will just come to me and admit that you have sinned, that you've broken my heart, broken my laws, and you will believe that I died on the cross for you to pay for your sin. that I was buried and raised again. I can give you forgiveness and give you life. And I will come into you and make my abode with you. And I will love you. And you can love me and you can love people. Maybe you don't know that today. Maybe today's a day you want to give your heart to Jesus. See, that sounds far different when we talk about giving our heart to Jesus when we give it to him in love. So here in just a moment, man, I'm going to have you stand and I'm going to pray and if you need the Lord Jesus today, there'll be some men and some women that'll be down here. You can come grab us by the hand. We'd love to pray a prayer with you to kind of connect with God, to have your sins forgiven. Maybe there's some others in here today, man. You're just like, man, I wonder, Steve, could you pray with me? I wonder if some of these folks could pray with me. I got some things on my heart. I don't really know what would draw you here. I don't know what would cause you to come to an altar, but I just want you to know that God has some things to say to you today. Maybe you just want to, during this time of these invitations we're singing here, maybe you just want to pray and say, God, thank you for loving me think about the ways that He's loves you. I don't know what you want to do, but I want to right now, would you just rise to your feet? And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you need the Lord Jesus, would you come with my deacons and others who maybe want to come down today? Would you go ahead and make your way to the front? Would you pray with me? I just ask you that right now your love would cover a multitude of sins that somehow in some way that your Holy Spirit is screaming into our hearts that you love us and that we would see that we have tremendous value to you and that you want to save you want to forgive you want to heal you want to give hope you want to answer prayer you you really are for us. Pray that some in this room today that are hurting deeply because of a lot of different things, that Lord, today they would know and understand that you are excited and you long to show them compassion. And I pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And hey, you come as we sing.